Greetings once again and welcome to another Seven Sense live stream and soon to become podcast in the Humanity 2.0 series. And I can honestly say we've come full circle now and this really should be the first audio broadcast for 2021. Now, here at the Seven Sense, we're constantly trying to refine our experiential value in the way that we interact with our audience and interact with the people in our lives, the way we work with certain people, the direction that we take place by ensuring that there is a more clarified, if you like, a more authentic understanding and or approach to the information that we disseminate, distribute and share. And one of the questions that's come up so many times on the shows, on the chat windows, and even on the limited scope of social media that I like to attach to, and that is, what do I, in this case the protagonist, know about the unique celestial origins of our planet and our species? Which is simply as a giant fishbowl experiment in which human behavior has been studied, manipulated, and supposedly guided for millennia by a number of entities and beings that have worked in creative pools, if you like, as evidenced by a more reflective and experiential understanding of what kind of may have worked well on other star systems. So the attitude has been well, it's kind of worked on these other planetoids, these other planets, so why can't it work here on Earth? Why can't it work on Gaia? So let's begin. And I will quote a number of different sources as we go. There was some extra talk on extraterrestrial groups who wanted to start an experiment on Earth to see if they could take the templates that have worked so well in other star systems in our galaxy, like the Pleiades, Sirius, Andromeda, the Venusians, the Arcturians, and apply those same principles in a more condensed environment on Earth. Now, Earth is known as the living library. So Earth was more or less meant to be an experimentation of these grounded concepts to come into being and played out on a much smaller scale to begin with. Atlantis was created to be the physical representation of Father God consciousness. So those souls who felt that they wanted to stop their incarnations on Earth to develop more divine masculine qualities decided to choose to incarnate originally on Atlantis. Those who wanted to develop more spiritually orientated or mother god experiences instead chose to incarnate and start the earth journey in Lemuria. Now from what I've known through different downloads from my guides, from spirit, and different spiritual guidance in the external, 
and through different timelines is that this is a ongoing experiential understanding of events today. So an understanding of Akashic records and the ratings, in other words, there are a lot of people that I've spoken to about this choice point, chose Atlantis as their original jumping point on Earth. But I've also come across many souls who have chosen to have Lemurian incarnations and even a very few who chose to reincarnate it as a course on other civilizations. Now, many lightworkers today believe that the integration of these two ancient civilizations in this timeline will bring about the re-emergence of the Avalon template. Now, Avalon was not just a utopian paradise from the King Arthur legends of ancient Britain, but it was originally a paradise planted in the Lyra system, the Lyra constellation, that eventually became the template for the ideal human evolution on Earth. It was a conceptualization of everything that is positive and good for humanity and its development. So this is why many of us feel a sense of fond remembrance when we hear the word analog, Avalon, or even Atlantis. The recreation of Avalon was attempted by King Arthur during his reign, and probably mostly due to the influence of Merlin, who I firmly believe was an extraterrestrial being. But it was a concept that never really got off the ground due to the lagging state of Earth's evolution during the Middle Ages. Now, if we, as conscious humans, can do the inner work to integrate our shadow selves during our time in this timeline, we no longer have to be faced with duality within our external environment on Earth. Now, Lemuria was the only one-dimensional civilization that has never existed on the planet itself. It was a mother god consciousness society that was based on the development of human spirituality through a series of subsequent interventions from different interplanetary beings. Now the collapsing of Ford into form could either be solidified as a particle generated expression or a more lucid wave style encompassing probability and or possibility in the outward expression of its essence. Lemuria as a physical place was located as a large continent in the Pacific Ocean and had a very tropical climate similar to the islands of the Pacific today. It was a magical culture that explored the imaginations of the evolved humans of that time through a dream time in a dimensional and or astral travel experience. Now, unfortunately, Lemuria was destroyed by Atlantis around 3010 BC. And during a rather big interstellar war, the Lemurians with their limited technology proved to be no match for the advanced technology of the Atlanteans, who had pretty much enlisted the 
allied support of the Anunnaki and the Syrians as a collective source in advancing their technology and subsequent human evolution. Now after Lemuria fell, Earth plunged from the fifth dimension into the third, and today it is still somewhat wrapped up in the third dimension, even though it is safe to say that because of the pre-orchestrated precision of the equinoxes and the precession of the equinoxes, that this is the planetary evolution of our star system and that the toxic residue of the third density mutant expression that is manifested in Arantia and Tiamat and the other planetary incarnations has kind of dissipated and or dissolved into the ether. So now after Lemuria fell, both plunged from the fifth dimension to the third and it can still be found very much in the Hawaiian Islands and its culture, Easter Island, New Zealand and of course the Pacific Islands and parts of Australia. That is the Denisovian and the original people DNA represented with indigenous and or Aboriginal culture which many still consider to be the first original hominoids on the planet before the genetic experiment really began. The other star groups that influence Atlantis came from Andromedan, Nibiru, Aldebaran, Altari and Sagittarius. With the exception of the beings from Nibiru, these colonists were all oxygen-breathing humanoids. Atlantis is a physical place and it was located in the Atlantic Ocean. Probably more closer to Europe and Africa than in the Caribbean as believed by many. Atlantis was a father god consciousness culture that was heavily based on the cult of the sea god Poseidon. Atlantis started off as a magnificent advanced civilization that had the best of everything on both a spiritual and ethereal and even a highly technologically advanced level. Now after the destruction of Maldek, negative factions from Maldek and more formally positive government of Atlantis and he cited the wars against Lemuria and eventually the civil war that also destroyed Atlantis which occurred approximately around 27,600 BC. The few Atlanteans who were lucky enough to survive the fall of the Atlantean nation eventually escaped and resettled in Egypt and started a new patriarchal civilization. Now we'll state that the exercise evolutionary developments that regression therapies and or writings that many souls who are currently incarcerated in the US, which was a first world country, had prior lifetimes in Atlantis and then chose to incarnate again in the US. To rework the karmic residues from their Atlantean lives and so as of course there's a constant race cycle taking place here literally all the time and 
ever folding on itself timeline that continues to recycle the same prison conscious type of programming. Now let's talk about the Orion constellation and the Orion Nebula. This is very pertinent and indicative of the times of today, considering that for the last 27,000 years, we've been living in a descending dark age, which has been the eon of Pisces. And we are on the cusp of moving out of that now, as evidenced by the recent 11-11, the solar eclipse gateways, the lion's gate, and of course the additional eclipses of both the solar and lunar experiences that we've been through. This has been part and parcel of a reflection of a more ascension timeline into a more extending and a more expansive golden age of Aquarius. So let's look at the star constellation and the nebula known as Orion. Let's discuss what is known as the light and dark aspects of the people of Orion, as well as the galactic history associated with this star system. Now some claim that some of the negative extraterrestrial entities that we hear about so much on Earth have been associated with some of the stars in the Orion constellation. However, other sources claim that the Orion Nebula is in fact a cosmic doorway to infinity or the realm of the Creator, which transcends the time-space-matter universe. The Orion constellation lies in the northern sky on the celestial equator. It is one of the brightest and best-known constellations in the night sky. Orion is also known as the Hunter. It is associated with the mythical hunter Orion, who is often depicted in star maps as either facing the charge of Taurus the bull or chasing after the hare, the constellation Lepus, with his two hunting dogs, represented by the nearby constellations Canis Major and Canis Minor. Orion is easily located in the sky by the three bright stars in a row that makes up the Orion's belt, which is one of the most familiar asterisms in the night sky along with the Big Dipper and the Southern Cross in Southern Latitudes. Starting with the top one, that is in the Northern Hemisphere, the names of these three stars are Mintaka, Alnilam and Alnitak. Two of the three stars that form the belt of Orion are supergiants. Betelgeuse, the Red Giant, Regal and Bellatrix are some other well-known stars in the Orion constellation. The brightest star in the constellation is Regal, Beta Orionis, with an apparent visual magnitude of 0.18. Regal is also the sixth brightest star in the entire night sky. The second brightest star in Orion, Betelgeuse, Alpha Orionis, has an apparent magnitude of 0.43 and is the eighth brightest star in the night sky. The Sumerians associated it with the story of their hero fighting the bull of heaven, represented by Taurus. They called Orion Uru-Anna, which means the light of heaven. Their name for the constellation Taurus was Gudu-Anna, or the bull of heaven. 
In Greek mythology, the hunter Orion was the most handsome of men. He was the son of the sea god Poseidon and Ural, the daughter of King Minos of Crete. In one myth, Orion fell in love with the Pleiades, the seven sisters, daughters of Atlas and Pleione, and he started pursuing them, and Zeus scooped them up and placed them in the sky. Orion can still be seen chasing the sisters across the sky at night. Another famous phenomenon in the Orion constellation is the Great Orion Nebula, in which thousands of stars are being born. Some astronomers claim that a huge, beautifully illuminated, multicoloured light has emerged from the Orion Nebula and is on an intercept course with Earth, although at a rather slow pace. And at this rate, this light or star will likely reach Earth's atmosphere not until approximately 3000 AD. The Orion Nebula lies hundreds of light years beyond the Orion Open Cluster and has been identified as a gateway to an infinite realm beyond the physical universe. Some even claim it is the true home of the angelic forces and source. Could this actually have anything to do with the prophecy in Revelation 21, apparent in our Earth Bible? Now, since the Draconians are attempting to conquer the heavens, they may have made futile attempts to enter the Eternity Gate and intercept the emerging light. This could explain the alleged presence of the Draconians in the Orion constellation, although certain humanoid groups have allegedly become curious of the Eternity Gate as well. The Orion Open Cluster itself is the base of a joint reptilian grey empire, as well as the human resistance groups fighting against the empire. <coughs> because of this conflict in Orion that has lasted for millennia, it is thought that the popular Star Wars movie series we all love so much here on Earth is actually heavily based on the Orion Wars. Until the recent integration of the Orion system to the Orion light consciousness, the inherent energy of Orion has always been associated with polarity conflict. Earth is now presently attempting a final integration of these polarities, hence the strong feelings of connection that many humans on Earth feel regarding the Orion star system. In ancient Egypt, the stars of the Orion's belt were the symbol of Osiris, the belt star's alignment perfectly matches that of the three pyramids on the Giza Plateau, while Orion's orientation to the Milky Way matches the pyramid's orientation to the River Nile. Because of this, it is thought that the three great pyramids were not just tombs, but also served as the Pharaoh's gateway to heaven. Look, there's that much conjecture around the whole pyramid mythos why they were built, who built them, how were they built. But at the very, very core understanding, we must look at them as frequency generators, a place where to amplify a specific healing frequency could be easily attained by the centrifugal breaking apart 
of sound vibrations like a stone in a pond because each pyramid was built on an extensive water table fed by the Nile, particularly during the flooding, which happened every year. When I'm trying to understand the mythos associated with Orion, it looks very much towards the Akashic readings or the Akashic records for Orion starseeds. And I often refer to Orion as the melting pot of the galaxy, similar to perhaps how the United States of America is represented on Earth. I also like to compare the star people of Orion to the vast diversity of star beings one sees in the famous Cantina scene, Cantina scene in the original Star Wars movie, Episode 5, A New Hope, released in 1977. Because Orion is such a big star system, there are many different species of beings that reside there, hence the diversity that is so notoriously there. In the book, The Prism of Lyra by Lisa Royal Holt, it is mentioned that Orion people are 75% vegan and 11% Lyran humanoids. And 14% are not human species. They're insect, gray alien, amphibian or reptilian. Vega is a star in the Lyra constellation of stars. So most of the beings from that system are descended from the blue skinned Vagan humanoid refugees and they were located mostly in the Orion belt stars, whereas the Orion reptilians are apparently mostly located in the Betelgeuse and Regal star systems and are descended from draconian beings from the Draco star system itself. Of the Orions who are of white Lyran stock, 11%, most are light brown skinned and about 10% are Caucasian type with light hair. They look very similar to Earth humans. Although their bodies are water-based like ours, they have an oily, fatty content acting like a lubricant. The Orion humanoids who have mostly vegan characteristics have particularly striking eyes. Also, as we have indicated earlier regarding non-humanoid origins, the Non-humanoid Orions, the small greys, occupy a very small percentage of the Orion population. Their origin, Zeta Reticuli, is a neighbour of the Orion constellation. Tall greys also comprise some of the non-humanoid Orion groups, along with amphibian and insectoid beings. Thus, overall, the genetic differences in the different beings of Orion are quite marked. Orion beings have a reputation for possessing an aggressive nature and have been involved in many destructive wars that has lasted for millennia in the Orion system. Even though this platform or this pattern of behavior still operates in our galaxy, it is less widespread and many individuals have been awakened since the shifting of Orion to the Orion light consciousness. The aggressive authoritarian's trait, very much present on Earth to this day, is not typical amongst benevolent ET civilizations, 
and has been acquired directly from Orion. The masculine patriarchal energy is associated with the evolution of beings from the star systems of Orion, which is related to Earth, whereas inhabitants from the Sirius star system, also very much involved with Earth, carry the feminine energy of polarity. Now, although there is a symbiotic relationship between consciousness and technology, the Orion race has pushed this principle to the limit and developed advanced technology while still waging constant wars and conflicts. The typical scenario in Orion was the light against the dark, with the peace-loving Orions opposed by the self-serving aggressive Orions, hence the similarity to the Star Wars movie saga. Now, according to some sources, there are three major groups in the Milky Way galaxy. One, the intergalactic confederation of different star systems throughout the galaxy. Two, the reptilian federation, a conglomeration of many reptoid species. And three, the Orion Empire, ruled by one leader. Now, within the domain of the Orion Empire, three groups formed. The dominant Orion Empire, the Black League resistance to the Empire, and the victims of both these groups. In spite of the spiritual implications, there appears within the Orion civilizations the never-ending conflict between the Orion Empire and the Black League resistance. The Empire is run mainly by the Greys, working with a federation of draconian reptilians, with the aim of extending their domination to other planets. These Greys are mainly the ones who negotiate treaties and secret deals with Earth governments, but never truly hold true their word. Many Orions, including the Black League resistance fighters, eventually went to Maldek and settled. This is the planet in our system that was inhabited by many of the so-called criminal element of Orion, who were given the opportunity to reform, and what I call Maldek is like the Australia of our galaxy for this very reason. As it is well known, the Maldekian civilization failed to turn to a more spiritual path and the planet was eventually completely destroyed in a civil war leaving the asteroid belt that is now located between Mars and Jupiter. Many of these dark forces from Maldek reincarnated on Mars and Earth and are still on Earth at this time since the early times of Atlantis. Hence the aggressive and authoritarian nature that pervades this planet even now, including thousands of years of enforced reliance on patriarchal systems here on Earth. On the positive side, however, the Orion beings have contributed their propensity for the development of smoothly running systems on Earth civilizations. They are the source for many organisational structures of government, business and industry. Nevertheless, this energy is only relevant to Earth people's frequencies as it stands currently, which we shall soon outgrow as we become more evolved and then receive other templates from more advanced races such as the Lyrans. They bring the yellow ray frequency to Earth for the stabilisation of the intuitive powers within human consciousness. The Orion Space Pirates 
are indicative and not uncommon for extraterrestrial civilizations to spawn rebellious members who are ostracized from their native planet for their beliefs. We mentioned earlier in this section a digressive strain from the reptilians of the Draco star system. However, there were several small pirate groups that were comprised of rogue individuals from the relatively advanced civilizations, including Orion, Sirius and the Pleiades. These compromise not more than a handful of pirates who revel in plundering planets like Earth and exploring time travel in linear 3D highly objective realities. Different aliens sought different resources, whether it was seawater, sand, quartz, minerals or genetic material, even human trafficking, and plundered other star systems for these items. But these space pirates have apparently learned that it was to their benefit to exercise cooperation with our secret government and negotiate deals with them. Over the years, several of the governments on Earth has acquired advanced technologies from ETs as a result of these negotiations and has allowed these beings to abduct various people on Earth for genetic material. The Orion Light and or Orion Light Council refers to the point in Orion's evolution where they have succeeded in integrating polarity. It can also be considered the Orion Mass Consciousness, the non-physical aspect of Orion that operates from a sense of unity and integration. The Orion Light Council is very much aligned with the original Elohim Consciousness. A quality of the Elohim is their ability to perceive with one mind, a hive mind. Their symbol is the all-seeing eye, because they have the ability to draw their energies together into the collective group mind in order to see as one. They are knowers of the great mysteries and have tremendous intelligence, as well as full access into the Akashic Records. The Orion Light Council regulates the laws administered in this part of the universe. This is the highest governing body for this quadrant of the universe and is subject to no laws of its own except to the great divine director or source. This council regulates many different star systems and planets, the karmic council that governs Earth and regulates the incoming and outgoing life forms from the Earth through Arcturus and the Boots constellation. For this reason, the Mintaka star system in the Orion Belt stars is directly aligned with the star system of Arcturus. Mintaka is not only the hospitality system of Orion, it is also a doorway to other universes. It is the home for higher dimensional entities, both physical and non-physical. And interestingly enough, Mintaka is the star from which J.J. Hertak channeled the keys and the story of Enoch. Now, let's try and put this into a context as it relates to human expression today. The deeper understanding of this conscious evolution 
is that the third density of emotional expression is very much the tool that is the emotional tool by which these interstellar and interdimensional beings manipulate us. So there's a certain amount of momentum drawn from moving through something as they are capable, but not attaching to it. Whereas we tend to try to move through something, but we're also attaching to external expressions, which we deem to be important in helping us to understand our consciousness. But ultimately, while this is taking place as part of this recycling station or prison, we are learning by becoming much more immersive to the experiential value of our lives. So by operating in this open space, we are learning through our worthiness, through the expression of valor, through the courage that everything is ultimately taking place outside of ourselves. And that's where the hologram, the reflection of illusory reality is essentially bombarding us in the face every day. Once we realize that we need to integrate what we create as well as with our shadow self and the more darker aspects of our subconscious expression that we are ultimately trying to fight what it is that we can't or cannot seem to grasp or understand our linear, linear experiences on the planet. And so by doing that, we begin to explore. Actually, no. We begin to experience the probabilities and possibilities that exist within our limited level of thinking and therefore our limited scope or expression of our conscious position in this prison-based man-made reality. Outside the time-bound reality, there are no limitations. There is nothing limited to the experience that we create for ourselves, where we experience infinite probability and infinite possibility. Therefore, there is nothing that we cannot ultimately achieve in realizing our absolute potential. So I hope that gives you guys enough of a grounding to understand that at the end of the day, with all said and done, you've had no choice in arriving at where we have today, which is conscious, which is ultimately aware, which is open-hearted to a deeper understanding of when the veil of amnesia is removed and we're in a state of rebirth, we discover ultimately who we truly are. And once we know who we are, it's not difficult to ascertain what gifts that you and I in the I am have been blessed with because every individual is time shifted from another. So their experience or reaction to experience is different from everyone else.
this planet is an all-encompassing recycling station based on human choice. And within your choice parameters lies the external expressions of your belief structures, archetypes, man-made religions, dogma, doctrine, and or defined and universal truth. These are all the ancillary titbits that contribute to the video game that you ultimately express yourself as an avatar within. Now you can use that knowledge to empower your journey, move you forward, or you will finally lose those tools and ultimately regress back into an even lower density of conscious expression. You will fall ultimately like the fallen, like the Nephilim, like the so-called fallen angels in the greater astral realm into a more reverse consciousness, which means to a greater degree you never truly wake up. You may think you do, you get these aha moments, but these are simply illusory points within an ever-evolving timeline that is always in flux. So to really have mastery on the planet is to predominantly be and sustain yourself in a neutral state. That is a zero point of energy when neither your experiences or perceived experiences influence you to react and respond in a given way that ultimately dissolve the duality principle. There is no yin, there is no yang. Nothing needs to influence one thing in order to balance another. Everything is perfectly aligned in zero point energy. And that's where a lot of us are operating in with the 6D or the sixth density of expression. And we've tapped into the heart and mind by tapping into the original people the gift of telepathy. So I hope that this overview is something that you guys can go back over in order to become more tuned in and more aligned to the higher vibration. And then once you get that kind of becoming a more implemented part of your operational state in your everyday, that is your operational system in the spacesuit, the vehicle, your illusory, illusionary body that holds the embedded consciousness to act that out in a form of a more reborn personality. The more you'll understand why everything takes place in your singularity and the way that it does because we're experiencing multiple timelines, multiple experiences, human and otherwise, multiple interactions, multiple planar and or illusory realities that are all bombarding our singularity in any given moment. And that is ultimately the deeper understanding of quantum expression or the wider expanse of the quantum universe. And I believe that 
the quantum expression within the wider understanding of quantum universe is the language by which we communicate with the stars. The star dust. The star-based consciousness of the Arcturians and the Pleiadians and the Syrians and the Andromedans and the rise and the now very resilient non-moral code implemented by the insectoid beings and the more advanced reptilians, we have this ability at that point to tune in and reconfigure and or align to our original genetic template and or blueprint. So thanks for listening. There's more to come on this later as we explore this Humanity 2.0 series, this transhuman experience that 2021 is very much reflecting back through the mirror of consciousness to all of us. And once again, it's a good grounding point for all of us to better understand the bigger picture of who you are, why you're here, and the curiosity that should be welling up deeply within you to want to gain answers to these very important and pertinent questions just like I do as well. So once again, go in peace, love yourselves, integrate all within and share your unique love with the world.